0: Hello, boys and ghouls. Kat here. I am so excited to bring you this episode of our Behind the Screen series. Today, we have Clark Wolf, who you've probably heard of. But just in case, she's an actor, a writer, a critic, a host, in fact, I'm not sure there's much she doesn't do. And she's been blazing a trail in horror for years now, and I always love hearing her talk about the genre. Right now, she's the host of Collider Nightmares, which we talk about a bit more in the interview. I had such a blast sitting down with Clark. Enjoy. Thank you. When you're reading, it's similar to reading a book in that you are, it's all you and especially people are talking right in your ears. Yes. It's so intimate and like just. I, I
1: recently listened to, so I had, um, I had never read Stephen King's It and um, so I picked up the novel, which you can see taking up half of my it's book. giant. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> right gi-
0: right it's there. It's like a 1200 pages. I mean,
1: it's insane how how long that book is, but I picked up the novel, I read, I'd say um, a third of it, maybe a half of it in the actual paperback and then earlier this year it, actually six months ago or six months ago, six weeks ago, uh, tomorrow I had surgery on my vocal cords and so I couldn't talk for two weeks and um, so I was moving into my new place and all that stuff and so I downloaded the audiobook of it and it's Steven Weber who is <gasps> wow yeah and so he I, you know most people who who haven't seen him perform live know him from wings. Or Studio sixty, yeah. um, but he is an incredible voice talent. Like as a comedian, I've seen him do readings before, and he's so good. Um, and so I listened to him read. By the way, I live near the Burbank Airport. I'm sorry, you're gonna be <laughs> hearing a lot of airplanes, and that is my fault. Um, but I I, 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 he's, and you know, he played um, Jack Torrance and Mick Garrison's, yeah, you know, The Shining, he's and so, so he's no stranger to Stephen King. And um, I have to tell you I am not an audiobook listener and this was one of the greatest entertainment experiences I have ever heard. He is, he just brings the words to life. Wow. And and each character is so distinct and he, I mean, the performance is just brilliant and I mean, by the way, you still have to read the in-between parts. Yeah. Um, and I've heard that the Star Wars audiobooks are actually kind of like that. Like they do, they're kind of like audio dramas like they do they have sound effects and they have different actors playing like reading different bits of dialogue and um so that's my next thing, but it makes a world of difference and it was such a such a really new and interesting reading experience wow. to have it read to you in such a way that I, I like I don't think I'll ever go back. But a bad narrator is
0: uh, uh, the oh the You find yourself like having to rewind because yes. you can't concentrate on what you're listening 100%. to 100%. I heard that John Slattery does the um, uh audiobook for Duma Key, which I've already read. It's a Stephen King book. It's oh. not as good as... I liked it, but uh-huh. it, it's very strange. Uh-huh. Um, but I was like, John Slattery? Yeah, yeah. okay. I'll listen to him talk for whatever. Um, uh, let's just... Because we could just keep talking for an hour. Yes. I want to tell everyone who you are in case they don't know, which of course they do. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm here with Clark Wolf, who's just wonderful in every way. Aww. Writer, actress, personality, <laughs> critic... Etc. Et Every etc. You can <laughs> mostly
1: etc. Ellipses.
0: Um, <laughs> there isn't anything she doesn't do. Uh, but right now she's uh hosting Collider Nightmares, which is this really incredible fun weekly yeah, rundown weekly. Mm-hmm. on YouTube. Um, of Uh, Genre news Mm -hmm. I guess you could say I don't know if you want to Speak a little more About that I'm watching it So if you're listening And you're not I don't know what to tell you Thank you for watching us Of course We um Yeah so we're weekly
1: On Collider Video On the YouTube uh, Collider Video's YouTube channel And yeah we We're you know we're, We're experimenting A little bit With um With our show And and But mostly Our talking points Are you know Prompted by news Or birthdays Or anniversaries But we're Yeah and it's It's really fun We talk about horror sci-fi fantasy basically the reason I call it nightmares is anything that could potentially give you nightmares so if that's giant kaijus and you know and uh, robots and Pacific Rim or if that's if that's Stephen King or if that's anything on honestly in between we try and we try and talk about it and so it's been really fun and you know we're um, we're a bubble show on collider so we' we may be around for a little while longer we may not but we are um, the the only show like ours that I know of that is, you know, a video show, a produced um, regular video show. And, and I'm really proud of that. We've recently had um, uh, I'm Paul W.S. Anderson did a panel with us, which was super fun. He was like he sat in and talked with us, which was great. And... Um, we've had Gina Davis on the show and we've had, we just um, recorded an interview with Gore Verbinski. And
0: one of the things I love so much about it is it's, it's, it's not just, yes, it's, it's timely because you're doing a rundown of like news. Oh, here's a new thing. And you, you know, the viewer gets to watch you kind of all process it and break it down and everybody gives their opinions. Um, but there's also stuff about it that's evergreen, which is just like yeah. you, you get to hear these people who really know what they're talking about, talk about um, uh, all manner of the business. So what's what's beautiful artistically about this or why this deal has fallen through. So if it, for people who are trying to learn and understand and they're a fan of horror movies, if they don't really know how it all kind of works, yes. you get really kind of cool perspectives on that. Too. Well,
1: I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I mean, I think it is interesting. Like we've, it's funny. I, we have been Friday the 13th is obvious big news right now because it's canceled uh, which is just hilarious because as for as long as our show has been going on our whole panel has been sitting there going it's not (laughs) rocket science like it's not rocket science really and and you know even when they even when they announced a director and casting breakdowns went out I kept saying, I was like, this is not going to hit this date. Like, this is not going to happen. I'm telling you. And then sure enough, a week before. But yeah, I mean, we we speculate, obviously. But also, you know, John Schnepp, who's a regular on our panel, he's a director. And Perry Nemiroff, who's a regular on our panel, she's a journalist, but she's also a film producer. And Mark Riley is a screenwriter. And, you know, we all have different industry backgrounds. But yeah, hopefully hopefully you watch the show and understand a little bit about the industry as well, which hopefully is we can bring to the table and interesting to other people. It's like
0: listening to your friends who are, like, really funny (laughs) and knowledgeable talk about, you know. So versus the cacophony of, like, people just, like, shitting out, like, their... Negative, angry yeah. ideas about what's happening. Like, you know, sometimes it, you just get to say, "Yeah, you guys are not. You're, you're no strangers to like criticism. You'll you'll say like, oh, why isn't this working?'" But it's always from a place. It's fun. Oh yeah, you know, it's positive, which I personally appreciate. Yeah,
1: I don't think anybody on our well, Schnepp Schnepp is a, a a vocal critic.
0: Well, he can be. It's but it's a funny, like yes. kind of thing. Exactly, like, that's his thing. It's that great.
1: is his thing, and um, it's because he
0: cares. It it is, and no, I
1: mean <laughs> at the end of the day, it's because we're all fans. I don't think. Anybody <laughs> (laughs) Any of us are. That's the thing is I think I don't and at least I can't speak for anyone else but I can speak for myself. You know it's very hard for me to say I don't like you know this is useless and I hate this and whatever unless I really feel strongly but I try not to talk like that just because we all know how hard it is to make anything even tra- even stuff that turns out crap uh, yeah people worked really hard on of that of <laughs> course nobody sets out to make a bad movie and sometimes you get happy accidents of bad productions great films and then sometimes you get uh, misfortune of great productions great cast great director great writers horrible movies i mean it happens and and so we uh, at least i try and be very aware of that but also speak honestly as a fan yeah
0: So, part of why... Well, part of what we do here on Boys and Ghouls, Behind the Screams... I'm so excited, um, by the way, to be a guest. Thank you for being here. Yeah, yeah. Thank you you for having me. Well, part of... First of all, it's it's shame on me. I need more women on this show. Um, But... And we'll talk about that. But uh, I think I... What I want to offer to people who are listening is, like, obviously, fun conversation about horror. Yeah. Um... But also, kind of, um, what makes someone who kind of has a voice in horror and has opinions and is kind of operating in the industry? What makes you tick? What you know, the breaking down. So, I ha- to that end, I have um, my own little kind of um, inside the actor's studio yes. proust questionnaire that's like very horror related. So, we'll it doesn't have to be hyper rapid fire, but we'll go through these. You can give me your answers. I might know some of them just because I <laughs> followed your work for a long time. Um, and then we'll just kind of talk about some other stuff. Okay. What scared you as a child... And what was your first introduction to horror? Yeah, um, I was a really scared kid. Like
1: I was, I was sca- easily scareable, um, which was funny because I always was drawn to thing. I was drawn to things that were scary and yet could not handle them. Whereas my brother and my, my who's younger than me and my older cousin, anytime we'd go to my grandma's house and she'd rent us a movie, like they'd be watching Night of the Living Dead, the the remake, and I'd be like, I'd be like horrified. In the corner, but they'd be like Clark. I don't know if you should be watching this, and I'd say, "Oh no, no, I'm fine. It's fine. Like don't worry." And, but then I wouldn't sleep for weeks. And so, <laughs> I can hang. yeah, I can hang. I'm cool, guys. But I totally could not <laughs> hang. And so, um, but but so the the first big scare. Funny enough, we were talking about it earlier. Was the mini series? I had a babysitter show me that when I was literally five years Classy old. Classy move. Babysitter. Yeah, my mom. Oh my god, my mom was so mad. Because I was scared for, like, a year. I, I was scared to get in the shower. I was scared to do, like, anything. Um, so that, that scared me real bad. And then when I was about 12, I went to a, a sleepover and saw The Exorcist for the first time. And that just... It's so funny, too, because, like, it for me... It had nothing to do with being religious, It had because we weren't, and it had nothing to do with the devil. It, it was just so like viscerally horrifying. Everything you see was so jarring, and, and then I made the mistake of covering my eyes, but obviously the sound on The Exorcist, I mean, it won an Oscar yeah. for, you know, so like that, that really, for, and without exaggeration, for a year, I, I didn't sleep well. Now yeah. it's one of my favorite movies well, ever. Yeah,
0: you should, um, if you're listening and you haven't seen, um, uh, Nerdist did a yes. little series about like, favorite one horror movies. One Good Scare. One Good Scare. And yeah. there's a segment on The Exorcist that, um, and, uh, well, Clark is an, also my friend Daniel, who's been yes. on this yes. podcast as well, um, who I just love. Um, and they talk about The Exorcist and like, their experience. It's really worth watching, so just Google, like, yeah, one good, scare, one good Scare, Nerdist. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, It's such a. It's you know. You said something about The Exorcist. I don't know when. Um, on. Uh, whatever. Who knows what podcast or whatever that really stuck with me a a while back, which was how much of a just a real touching like gut-wrenching family drama that movie is and that the horror is uh, supplements that but really at the end of the day that's what that's what makes it so horrifying is you're watching these people that you actually care about and you can see their real you know what's going on with them emotionally
1: yeah no i it's so i do believe that that's true and that's the thing is as a horror fan because so many people will tell you oh i hate that stuff and you can say to them, oh, really? Well, do you like The Shining? Oh, my God, I love that movie. Or, oh, do you like The Exorcist? Oh, my God, that movie scared me so bad. Or whatever it is. And uh, Poltergeist, even. And, and I think the things that resonate with audiences that cross genre boundaries that make a horror movie mainstream are nine times out of ten uh, family melodramas. Yep. You know? And I feel so bad that it's everybody fine. is arriving in Burbank, like, right now. We're in the middle. It's all happening now. I'm <laughs> sorry uh but but no it's true i think that is honestly what makes these movies resonate with people and the exorcist i've always felt um especially reading the novel and watching the film is this is a story about the breakdown of family i mean on the one hand you have um Chris McNeil, who is a single mom, who I think clearly blames herself for the the breakup of her marriage and the dad not calling on Reagan's birthday and like where is he and all this stuff, and yet she wants to be a working mom in a time when that is questionable. Oh yeah, it's so I,
0: important when that is when that is when that story is placed. Exactly,
1: yeah, and and then you watch your kid fall apart you watch your kid crumble and she can't do anything and um, i've always thought that this concept and i know they just rebooted the exorcist on tv which i enjoyed that series oh, but me too. i i've always had i've had a pitch um, that I one day maybe will get to pitch of a of a side quote to the exorcist and it's essentially looking at what was going on with Chris I mean the truth is she's living in this house where this is happening over this period of time what the hell is going on <laughs> when that door is shut and there's screaming coming out from that bedroom what is she doing like how is she not falling apart and I think there's something really compelling there and then of course you have Karis um uh you know, watching his mother fall apart and watching his mother die, and and you know the guilt that comes along with that. But you're seeing children and parents at two very different stages in their lives, and I I think how appropriate the dogs are barking. Yes, are talking about <laughs> the But um, but yeah, so so I do I do think that it's it's really and truly a family melodrama with some really scary stuff that happens yeah. as well what scares you now
0: Ooh. when you're lying in bed
1: and you're closing your eyes oh my god you know I uh, you know what I'll, two things well I'm not I've never been a true crime person Ooh, I really am yeah I've never been but I tell you what I've just started listening to my favorite murder because <laughs> oh, everyone says "Stay sexy
0: don't get murdered it's I love them I they're mean, so fun everybody everybody loves that podcast and I didn't think I was going to love it, and I do. I didn't think I was
1: going to love it either. I was a tough sell. Like, I listened to a couple of episodes, the more recent episodes, and I was like, okay, I don't really know, like, you know, but I loved listening to them talk about the actual cases. So I actually went back and started from the beginning. And now that I'm listening to
0: the evolution of the show. You you really see them find themselves. There are some podcasts where, you know, like, I'll realize I'm not getting what they're doing in the early ones, and I'm like, let's go to the later stuff, and see, let's find them as they... F- found their stride yes. but I realized with this one I think it is important to start at the beginning because they're like why do we like to talk about this yes. and you get to see them figure it out well
1: and what's so interesting too is that you know especially for someone like me who you know identifies as a horror fan and that's what so many people know about me like you know up front and and I always have people tell me oh, I don't really like scary movies but nine times out of ten every young woman I talk to loves true crime that's right and I I find that Fascinating. Yeah. Endlessly fascinating. So anyway, what scares me? Um a lot of this stuff, I mean, think the the world scares me. I know that sounds like a really um kind of like, you know, I don't know, flip answer. No, that's but, real. But it's very it's Especially very for real. women. I mean, yeah, I, I, I hate to say and I mean I don't walk around scared, but I am not lying when I say I will be driving around and think what if a nuclear bomb just goes off right now and you see the flash of light and then you're incinerated? Like, I think about that regularly now. Yes, yes. And uh, so that's that's new. That's different. Um, And then the other thing that scares me...
0: Are, um, I have sleep paralysis. Oh no! <laughs> I re- I refuse to watch <laughs> the nightmare it's, because I I'm worried about the whole um, transmissibility of it, and yes. I don't want to catch that shit. And so I won't watch that movie, even though I've heard it's great. I'm like, I don't. I am so susceptible to like suggestion. I'm like, I ain't watching yes. that shit. No. I can't believe
1: you go through that. Don't don't get it on you. Do not
0: get no. it on you. Like I'm telling you. Like yet. I'm even afraid to talk about it now. Yeah. Well, fortunately How often for does me, this happen to it you? happens
1: once every couple of months, <laughs> and. And I've noticed too that it happens most when I sleep on my back. Um, so I actively try and not sleep on my back, and um, and but the good thing is that I don't experience it as um the way that like in all of its different forms. The only way I experience it so far, knock on wood, um, is uh, is is that I feel like someone or something that is very dangerous is holding me down and I can't. Oh, that's no big deal. Yeah, no, You're it's, like it's not. <laughs> it's plenty <laughs> horrifying, awful. but at the same time, I'm kind of glad. Again, knock on. I'm not like tempting anything and not tempting the fates but I'm I'm glad that it's not the man that stands at the end of your bed and stares the at you. The demon figure. Or the demon Ooh. figure or the man in the hat or like there's so many different um, visions that come along or, or like you know incarnations of sleep paralysis that mine being Faceless is fine for now, but it's still horrifying. So there will be sometimes where I'll be laying asleep and I'll and I'll get just some weird creepy horror movie thought where I'm like, what if there's something standing over my bed right
0: now? And wow. then I'm like, hey, don't think about that maybe, don't think about that. Yeah, um, well, and it doesn't help that you and me and people who, wa- probably everyone listening to this, people who watch horror, we fill our brains full of stuff like that. And it's like, everything's just a mix yeah. in there. And you don't know when it's gonna pop out. And uh, most of the time, I'm fine with it. But, um, and I go through periods in my life where I have more spikes of anxiety, where like, you know, where the images will stick in my brain. And I'm like, oh, this isn't good because I'm gonna be up at three in the morning yeah. feeling sick yeah. thinking about it. But but we can't help ourselves. No. Um, certainly not. <laughs> what? Um. All right. We may... I don't... What is your favorite horror movie of all time? And what do you think is the scariest Ooh, movie of all time? And those could be the same answer. And good maybe, question. Favorite and scariest. So, that's an opinion, so of course. F- yeah.
1: Favorite, I have... Like, I always have, like, a top seven that are pretty fluid. I don't have a favorite horror movie, but my set top seven favorites are um, The Hills Have Eyes remake, uh, Drag Me to Hell, um, John Carpenter's The Thing, the exorcist scream the descent and cabin fever um it's i know a lot of them are very recent and so some people are like that's not a good list but i don't know why people feel the need to judge other people's opinions yeah like that's the thing is like i i always try and say these are i'm not claiming that eli roth's cabin fever is the greatest horror movie of all time i do think it's very good um and but it's it's so unique and specific to that you know and and the reason i love the exorcist is because as we talked about scared me the, the crap out of me when I was 12 and now as an adult I find so much more in it with The Hills Have Eyes it was the first time I in my time saw a movie in the theater that was talking about political unrest and I saw it like for my own eyes a French director talking about a lot of very political things, and and I was like, whoa, you know. So, so they all have very drive me to hell. I just love because to me, it's all of the Sam Raimi stuff, but with a budget and a female it's protagonist. Still so good. Like I, it, I, I love that movie.
0: Rewatchability is just.
1: I agree. I so it's like they're all special to me for very specific reasons. Yeah. What do I think the scariest movie ever made is? I mean, if I was gonna go to like debate club and have to debate an answer, I it would be the. The I feel that way too. Yeah. I mean, I know but it's this is a thing. People's taste is so different. Like there are some people. I you every Halloween it's inevitable that there's going to be a thousand lists of the scariest movies of of all time, and it's always like I'd say the same three that rotate at the top. Maybe the same four, and the ones I always see are The Shining, The Exorcist, uh, Psycho, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But I think those movies are
0: so different, and they push such different buttons. They do for me. The the scariest moment in Psycho that I have the hardest time watching is when she's. Trading her car in, and the cop is watching her across the street. Like, that's when I'm, my heart, I'm like, yep. I'm like, my ass is sweating, and I'm like, whoa, totally. Uh. Like, that's what gets me in that movie. And, and for me, it's not the shower scene, it's
1: not the murders, it's the final scene of just. Pull it, pu- pushing close in on on Anthony Perkins face yeah. and and just look and you're just like wow that is Iconic. a gone person so yes. that that but a cra- a person who is gone to me is like way scarier than than you know the the knife in the shower you know what i'm saying yeah. So, I yeah. but yeah, for me, if I had to go and debate this topic um, on the national
0: stage, <laughs> that's a good way to put I would it. Pick the I think you could make a good argument for that. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite
1: subgenre? Ooh, um, ghost movies. Yeah. Ghosts scare the crap out of me. Um, I, I think that, you know, in all my years of like reading and studying and learning about horror movies, I think that there's a lot of metaphor at play. And I think, you know, certain things represent certain things for people. And so for me, um, the ghost is ghosts freak me out, I think, on a very surface level because it's, like, it's not like a slasher movie where if a a killer's after you, okay, well, you just get on an airplane and go somewhere else, and guess what? That killer can't get to you unless the killer gets on an airplane and, like, okay. But a ghost can follow you anywhere. Yep. Like, a ghost don't care. Yep. And um, to me, that is just horrifying. You know what? No. Well, I was going to say, maybe I could argue that The Conjuring is... I don't know if it's the scariest movie of all time Ugh. but I I that just made me think of it was like yeah, The Conjuring yeah. is great. And the Conjuring, by the way, is in my top seven. So it's I guess so I have great. a top eight now. Yeah.
0: But anyway, yeah, so Ghost Scare. How me. about, um, because Ghost Scare Me, too, in fact, when I first, when Paranormal Activity came yes. out, when I saw the previews, I was like, oh, I, I ain't <laughs> never watching that movie. I <laughs> vowed never to watch it because the same way I feel about The Nightmare, which means I'll probably eventually watch it. You the will, you'll get there. But um, uh, finally, after several years and like reading the entire plot, I was like, okay, fine, I'll watch it because I knew it would keep me up. Yeah. It, my best friends had told me that um, Daniel, actually and his brother at the time they were living together and they were like we what they were like it we agreed to text one another if we were instead of knocking on the door that night like if we needed something <laughs> oh um God. for like a week yeah. and they were like it this movie will you won't feel comfortable even sleeping in the bed next to someone yeah. like the, there's nothing that's safe and i was like well i can't because ghost stuff scares me too for me the top is aliens though not not the not ridley scott John, um, um, uh, and then aliens, not those, not those kinds of aliens, although that's plenty scary, but like, um... But actually like Like little, abduction uh, and like I hate other worlds. That. Um and... Fire in the Sky. Yeah. Totally. But um uh but I wonder, so like for me, and maybe this is when it caught me when I was a kid, the um Thirteen Ghosts remake, yes! did those ghosts scare you? Because they're like I mean, you, they're so visceral they're and like very solid upsetting. and there. They are upsetting. Yeah. But it's it's I think that's those kind of ghosts are scary the, in a different way. The House on
1: Haunted Hill remake was oh, the one God, that, it's so
0: brutal. And it came
1: out at a time when I was, I mean gosh, how old was I? I mean, I was like an if I was 13 I was like an early teenager. But, you know, maybe I was 12. I don't know. But that movie was like just the way they moved and they were so... this is the first time
0: I saw that weird twitchy, like you see the doctor and he's moving and it's that, his face is blurred. And all the black, white,
1: and red. And yeah, it was a very violent movie. So violent. Um, Yeah, so that one more, I mean, 13 Ghosts, I remember that and and they were they were really scary but that that's almost like a monster ghost yeah it hybrid. is it is um but I I god that was an expensive movie too or at least it looked expensive for the time which was kind of cool it was like that trend of 90s was it 90s or 2000s maybe it was early I think aughts. it was early 2000s yeah, for sure but
0: um but yeah those, and I, sometimes I can't tell if I love those movies because um because I, they just feel like home because when I was the same, about the sound yeah. a little tiny bit older than you, but the same kind of, um, it hits you at that right time. Like I realize even though some of them are just trash, they feel like coming home again, like watching Swim Fan totally. or like Urban Legend yes. or those, those early 2000s that are, they're, they're just fine. Yeah. But I just love them. The way they look, the way everybody's dread, their jeans are just a little too baggy, yes. you know. Yeah. There's a time and place for sure. There is. Yeah. Favorite sequel.
1: Ooh this is hard. Um up there is definitely scream 2. But also twenty-eight weeks later uh-huh. uh twenty-eight weeks later, I think is the way to do a sequel. Um, I was so mad when I heard they were making a new movie. <laughs> I was like, this is bullshit. And I remember that poster with the with the um mask, the face mask, you know, and it was like a in it said and it said weeks and it had the eyes that were different colors yeah. and it had like that surgical mask. And uh I remember thinking, oh cheesy cheap this looks so <laughs> dumb uh but then I saw it and I was like oh my god and that <laughs> opening sequence is so good uh and uh, the movie is great and it god it stars like every person ever right. that is working now so I love those two I'm trying
0: to think what's your favorite sequel? what's my favorite sequel um I do I uh oof um I mean it's not a great film but I, I love Halloween 2 we're not uh-huh. talking quality greatest no, no, films favorite. favorites i love yeah. i love halloween 2 i love friday the 13th part 6 mm-hmm. it's it's the frankenstein back from the dead jason yeah, i yeah. love that one it's
1: yeah. funny i i am am like i really really don't like sequels I and mean, it's not it's not anything because you know what's funny i'm all about the reboot the requel, the sidequel. Oh, talk about favorite sequels! Here you go, Paranormal Activity one, two, three. Ah, I think yes. that is a perfect. It's a beautiful trilogy. trilogy. Yeah, like yeah, I, I, see, I agree. And people give me so much shit because they're like Paranormal Activity, but honestly, that those first three movies. Are brilliant and also I love mythology.
0: Yeah. So you just dig a little yes. deeper with each. I remember. I still haven't seen four, or I know them mm. I I know I've heard the marked ones is yeah. fun. I like. The I marked haven't ones. seen, and I, I heard four wasn't. But no. I I am a completist. Eventually, mm. I'll get around to them. But I loved one, two, and three. They yeah. all scared me. They're great really Four is just a waste of time if mm. I'm being completely
1: mm-hmm. honest and then five was just too little too late and also gosh you have such great mythology and then to just like give no answers to do nothing it's just so dumb like I god I want to knock them on the head and and say let me make let me have you know give me a time machine let's go back <laughs> five years let me have paranormal activity and I will take care of this for you but yeah mm, until we have time machines
0: mm. I don't know favorite franchise
1: paranormal activity.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, although,
1: I will say we were talking about it before we started rolling. I love Bates Motel. Yeah. And the problem is though that I I don't like, I know the sequels to Psycho have sort of gained favor in fans' eyes over the years. I haven't watched them yet. I'm I'm going to. You know, people really like Two. They think Two is really good. Like, you know, I read a lot of praise for that one and Three Anthony Perkins directed Um, and Meg Tilly's in it. Um, Where
0: do they go with them? Do they do backstory stuff? What do they do? They,
1: well, the second movie, is when um Norman gets out of jail
0: Mm. and
1: so he has to go home and he has to sort of like rebuild his life and and it's more about you know trying to live a normal life and if he's capable of doing that and if he's reformed Mm. um so it's an interesting idea and then three I I've only seen it once or twice and all I remember is like Meg Tilly and there's all this there's some switcheroos that's what (laughs) I'll say there's there's some there's some surprises I don't want to spoil anything but um yeah, I, but I'm loving Bates Hotel. I think
0: my my the frustration with me because I've been kind of binging it and ca- to catch up because I'm excited. I love the idea that they set out and they were like, "We're doing five seasons. We know exactly what we're doing, and that's going to be it." And so I expect a lot out of this final yeah. season. So I want to be caught up. And I have found the and I understand it's television. They have to have some kind of side plots. All the all the like the town stuff. The you know the. Town intrigue and the melodrama of all that oh god what? I could just leave it if I had to take it or leave it what season are you on I'm uh, I'm in the middle of four I'm oh, almost done interesting so but what I've what I've come to is I'm like every moment of like the stuff that I have had just like no time for or care for has been worth it because the Norma Norman stuff is a fucking symphony. Yeah, and and I'm realizing that like as much as I just can't handle Rob Zombie's Halloween, I'm like I don't want to know how he got that way. It's way too scary to know. Like in in John Carpenter's Halloween, uh, he's just he's just pure evil. There's no backstory. I don't need to know that he mutilated yeah. animals and his mom was a stripper and yeah. is a, I, all that shit is boring and pedestrian to me. And I'm I love Rob Zombie as a person. I just can't with that movie. And, and I've always made that argument. Like I don't need that backstory. But with Bates Motel, watching them play it so cool, they lay the groundwork, and I'm like, this is the medium for this kind of backstory where you take your time, you get to see their relationship. It's like, it's, I can't believe how good it is. It's so good. The two of them, watching Freddie Highmore just kind of like turn into Norma. Yes. Spoiler alert. Just like, just suddenly he's her, and I I mean, I, i I'm, you can't see me right now, but I'm putting my hands to yeah. my face. Like I was just watching it, going, <gasps> "Yeah, like this is a gift. This is all I've ever wanted." And they they are going there. Yes. And I'm like, "Wow, this has been worthwhile." They're watching. getting
1: so weird, it's which is so kooky. Like I love that, and and I think too, you know, what you said about the medium is right on because we were we talk about this on nightmares all the time. Like especially in light of the Friday the Thirteenth news of, oh, we're gonna go see Jason's backstory, and we're like, "No thanks." Why? Why do I care about about Demon Jason's stupid we backstory? We want to see him
0: being Jason. Like, yeah,
1: it's especially Jason who we know is backstory. Like we, yeah. that's all we need to know. We we have. And, and but then to think about the idea that Platinum Dunes and I'm sorry, I'm not being a hater but I really want, like from business perspective let's look at this. You get Nightmare on Elm Street rights and then you, tr- you do Freddy Krueger's backstory and it doesn't <sighs> (sighs) work. Okay, so then we go to Texas Chainsaw, where they, which is also Platinum Dunes, and they have the, they do like the beginning, and that made a zillion dollars. Okay, fine. But to make the Leatherface prequel, so now we're gonna explore Leatherface and figure out what, who becomes Leatherface and how. That movie is done. That movie has been done, and we have not seen anything from it. Gee whiz, I wonder why. So then the idea of the Platinum Dunes was like, You know what we should totally do? Jason's backstory. (laughs) It's like, you knuckleheads have screwed this up twice. Rob Zombie's movie, you know, is very divisive for that exact same reason. So all four of these major slasher icons have done this. Or not including, I guess, um, Friday the 13th. So these three, and then they were saying they were going to do it with a fourth one? Are you crazy? But... I digress. The point is, like you were saying, the medium. We've spent 40 hours with Norman and Norma and their brother and Dylan, who I love, yeah, by the way, he's a great actor. Oh my god, he's, he's great. great. He's really and Nestor Carbonell is oh, Romero. I'm in like love with he's him. amazing, and yeah. and Olivia <laughs> Cook is amazing. Like yeah. the cast is fabulous. But we've spent forty hours with them so far. So that yes, we are we are exploring. It's like. We're exploring Norman's backstory. It's not that they're just showing it to mm-hmm. us, and I think that's what these movies—they're just showing it to us. We don't
0: actually get to, right? You know what I'm saying? It, and by the way, this is my this is where I make my case for why I'm I think why I'm so into true crime and why I'm loving Bates Motel is because what yes. I what I search for is. Uh, and I'll read these books, and, and honestly, sometimes these books give me nightmares. But, like, I'm reading The Stranger Beside Me right now, which is the definitive book on Ted Bundy. Oof. Anne Rule, w- who worked beside him in the suicide hotline in the 70s, saving lives, crazy. you know, they'd be there all night together. Um, and then he started getting arrested for this crazy shit. And she so she, and she and also happened to already be a, a crime writer for a newspaper. Oh, perfect. She was already covering crime. Um, but you watch, you get to hear everything about his life and – the way he behaved toward the women yes. he dated yes. and all of the signs and the, and maybe it's that thing where Stephen King talks about being a kid and he taped like the picture of this famous killer, this killer who had just gotten caught. He clipped him out of a newspaper and put it on his wall. And his mom was like, why do you have a picture of that man? And he's like, I want to study his eyes. I want to know what he looks like so I can spot it. Yes. If I see it in someone else, maybe it's that thing. But like I read a book about the hillside stranglers, which mm. isn't a very, it's mm-hmm. a very LA book and it's, Gods, the seventies was not a good time to have like long straight hair parted down the no. middle. Not a good time, and th- those two, ugh, um, uh, Angelo Bono and Ken Bianchi, like they were cousins, and the older one would like he went to Vietnam and he came back and he he showed the kid like pictures of like dead bodies and women he had raped and would tell him stories. That stuff Ugh. that, like, gets planted early yes. and then gets mixed with. Maybe that's where, for me, Bates Motel, I'm just like, they don't throw it, they don't pound it into you. They're they're letting you see all these little moments, all the conversations, the way she reacts to him when he does yes. this versus when he, and how she blocks him from, Blossoming in certain ways And why But why she does it And she cares And all of that groundwork And we know where it's headed yeah. I'm just like Oh god It's great It's so good It's so good It's so good Um uh, Favorite director Is that Is it Wes Craven it Do is. I know that about you You
1: do He's my favorite tour. My favorite living director Is Guillermo del Toro Um but Oh I knew that yeah. yeah But James James Wan Is seriously Just a Like a hair below Guillermo. I think James Wan you know what I was thinking of I wanna run this by you. Yeah. Let's talk about Let's this talk real about fast. It. I'm sorry to hijack this, but Oh no, God, please. So I was thinking about Steven Spielberg and how when M Night Shyamalan first came on the scene with um, Sixth Sense, and by the way, I love M Night Shyamalan. I do. Yeah. I, I even even when he misses, he takes big swings, and I
0: appreciate. I that. I agree. I love the I love how much he cares and totally. His, he's he's certainly unique. Yes, and there there so are, far too easy to bag on him. It
1: is, and and I think well, just because anybody who's successful, I think people you know, it's easy. But um, and don't get me wrong, there are some of his movies which I they are unwatchable. Yeah. But um. So I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about the the next Spielberg, which famously, you know, was on the cover of Time Magazine or Newsweek or something about Shyamalan, and I thought about it, and I was like, you know, I wonder, is James Wan the next Steven Spielberg? And the reason I say that is because I was thinking about Jaws. And I was thinking about how you know a lot of people say Jaws is a horror movie, and and I think if this were debate class, I could go either way. I could I think I could make a compelling argument for both sides of that. Um, but I don't get upset if people call it a horror movie because right. it has it it is on paper I think a horror movie. It's a monster movie, yeah. um, but. I was thinking about the scene in Jaws with Brody and his little baby son where they just look at each other Mm -hmm. and they make faces at each other and Brody says, give me a kiss. Why? Because I need one. And then the kid runs out and it's just like this beautiful little scene that would get cut in any major studio release ever now except For The Conjuring 2, when Patrick Wilson sits down and sings an Elvis song to this family. And I thought, you know, only James Wan has the confidence as a filmmaker to say, I'm going to make a horror movie and it's going to scare you, but I'm also going to make you sit down and watch a love story. And I'm going to stop this movie. And I don't care what you think and make you listen to a dad, a surrogate dad sing this song to a family who needs a dad and who needs love and and his wife is going to watch him do it. Right. And I thought, and then I started thinking about basically all of James's, no, that's not true. A lot of James's movies. Um even even with Saw I mean the story between Monica Potter and her daughter I think is really compelling yeah. and in um, in the Insidious movies are all about family yeah. I mean uh, you know especially the first one and if you one. don't care as much as he forces you to care then that's that, right. you're not going to ever be a scared that's absolutely right and so then I started thinking about okay well he just made you know Furious 7 and now he's making this big Aquaman and, and you know might it be his Indiana Jones but I, <laughs> I really think That you could make a good class that should be the name of this episode is Debate Class, Debate Club, club because I really think you could make a good argument that James could be the next Steven
0: Spielberg. I think you could, yeah. Who's your favorite bad guy?
1: Ooh, like, like, villain, yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, it can be we can talk like big, like, like Freddie Jason, or we can talk about, I mean, it can be any however you interpret that. Well,
1: I am very amused by Buffalo Bill. From yeah. the science of the lands, there's a lot there. Like Buffalo Wait, Bill,
0: was she a great big fat person? Oh my god, <laughs> he's oh my so god. he's such a cartoon Are in you some about ways. a size fourteen? I mean,
1: it's just like. He is so insane. And what I love is during all of these retrospectives when Silence of the Lambs turned like 25 or 30 or whatever it was and and all of them, no one talks about Ted Levine and no one talks about That's Buffalo crazy. Bill. I think it's because they realize in hindsight how fucking offensive Buffalo Bill sure, is. Sure. I mean, you know, like every, every long essay about the masterpiece that is the Silence of the Lambs all of them conveniently leave out Buffalo Bill, who is the antagonist of the fucking movie. That's a great point. Like, it's not Hannibal Lecter. He's on screen for 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm endlessly fascinated with that. That and uh, by the way, it's a great performance for what it is, which is in a lot of ways very problematic. Yeah. Um.
0: But but I am very just funny because how many you know thirty years after Psycho with the whole like well he was wearing women's clothing exactly and it's kind of the same thing you know they're they're like that's the freak show as he's tucking his junk and he's you know would you fuck me like it's it's all very like what is and he's wearing women's skin and you're like well. What are they try? Well, well, anyway. Yeah, but no, you it's could it's an write a paper. An, you could, but and, no one has. But, and, yeah, <laughs> it probably someone has.
1: I um, yeah, I I did actually when I was in college, wrote a pa- paper on queer on quote queer fear and and the queering of um, villains and Oof. and how you know it's a, it's, there's a lot. There. Yes, and, and my topics were um, using Ed Gein, but um. Uh, definitely Buffalo Bill. God, what was the other one? There was another example, but maybe it was Psycho. Maybe it was Anthony Perkins. And um, But on film, you know, the idea that when you look at the source, you know, why we have to make these people yeah. others, because otherwise they're just white men. Yeah. And we certainly no, know no. that if a white man was going to do, well, there has to be a reason
0: because God knows. And oh, well, he's wearing women's clothing. So that explains it. He's a freak. Exactly. My favorite little, my favorite thing about Ed Gein um, is. Is, well two favorite things one is obviously where a lot of the mother stuff comes yeah. from in Psycho where yeah. he like after she was dead he preserved her room completely perfectly exactly the way she left it and like wouldn't let anyone change anything and then also that he um, before he would confess like they arrested him and he was sitting there also I hate when people call him a serial killer because he only killed one person uh, he mostly just grave robbed yeah, totally but uh but he was like I want an apple pie and they brought him a hot apple pie and he sat there and ate it and then he told him everything which is so crazy. That's hilarious. Um, That's so American, it isn't is. it? It's, so, it's
1: American. so American. Have they ever done Ed Gein on that on My Favorite Murder?
0: I don't know. I haven't. I have, I'm still working my way through the, okay. the catalog. I ha- they have to. I'm sure they have.
1: Anyway, I, I I'm getting off topic. No, but it's fine. There has to be another. I'm sure there's one that actually scares me, but I can't think of it right now. So I'll just go Buffalo Bill.
0: What's the hardest kill for you to watch in a horror movie? Ooh, well.
1: I will say that the the opening scene of um, Maniac, the remake, because um, I didn't love the movie, but... The
0: whole movie made me feel sick. Like, yeah. Just, just awful. I mean, I think that speaks to its quality totally. as far as, you know, its effectiveness, rather.
1: Yeah, it's an icky movie for sure, but yeah. that opening scene made me, like the whole sequence, um, was probably the scariest thing. Thing I have seen in my adult life because the girl that he gets doesn't do anything wrong.
0: Oh, God. He's picking her up outside isn't that the no, same thing so she's, she's putting been a while so you think that it's two girls
1: one is like totally wasted and then the other is is kind of helping her and you think he's going after the totally wasted that's right. girl that's but right. the the sober friend hails a cab or something and puts her in the cab and then he keeps going right. after the sober friend and this is not because my problem with maniac was that the girls kind of got dumber and dumber like through the movie like you, you know that's the, that's the trouble with any horror movie I think is when you watch it you're like ah, no one would ever do that you know um but the the opening sequence like whatever that five minute sequence was that girl was not an idiot she didn't do anything wrong she shuts the I I think she even shuts the door no, behind I remember her. that she's she's really savvy yes and and yet he gets her anyway ooh. and that that just oh it freaked me out so bad. Um ooh. so that's certainly
0: you know that speaks to your fear that your real world like yeah Oh, yeah, God. Um, Yeah. don't read The Stranger Beside Me. Because you get all these scenarios with the different women that 10 Ted Bunny killed, like 30 women. Oof. And some of them like kind of fell for his shtick. And the ones who didn't survived and lived to tell the tale for the most part, who were like, like, uh, no, I can't come help you put this a- thing into your car. I've got somewhere to be. Because they just had a feeling. Yeah. Ugh. Um. If you could live in any town in a horror movie, which town would it be?
1: Ooh. Maybe not
0: forever. Maybe just for just, a week. Just
1: go for a little yeah. visit. Where do you um, want to walk around? Do you mm, want to go to Woodsboro? Where
0: do you want to go? I don't
1: know. I think I want to go to um i mean i always say that if i could like reenact well i don't want to that's not true that's wrong never mind forget i said that scratch that <laughs> um where would i want to go good gracious i don't think i'd want to go to woodsboro because i feel like it's just like a town it's a boring town yeah i i don't know why i'm thinking amity like i maybe i'll go <laughs> just won't go on the water yeah um that could be okay yeah but oh horrible that'd be really sad just Sun yourself. that's a really good question I don't have a good answer for that one. I have to keep thinking.
0: Um, what's your favorite non-horror movie? Like, um, not scary at all. Yeah, yeah. I have another. What do you watch uh, when you like? Do you unwind with like How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days? I or love like, that movie. Yeah, um, it's so funny because everybody teases me so hard
1: when I tell them uh, that I that I love This Is Us. Yeah, but I I'm, do. I'm totally engaged. It's
0: such a good show. Yeah. And I
1: love these characters and I think that... The,
0: the like 70s like music tr- tricks me into, I'm emotional whether yeah. it's, I really, it really it gets me.
1: And they're also, it's just it's nice to watch people love each other or try to love each other. That's what I always say because trying to love somebody is hard. Yeah. But it's sweet and it's like, it's nice. I like seeing that. But um, my, some of my favorites are like Labyrinth, Princess Bride, Jaws, Back to the Future, wizard of oz um the great dictator which is charlie chaplin fish called wanda <laughs> um that thing you
0: do i no. love I, um, I i will never watch that movie enough times it's, it's so so it's it is like someone hugging you yes everything about it um oh god i could yeah i could it's i could so talk to you forever good. about that movie i
1: love that one i love the apartment um oh I my Billy god Wilder. i just
0: watched the apartment for the first time like late last year at christmas because it was on cable while, oh and that may be why uh, and I love Shirley MacLaine, yeah. I always have And I was like, oh, young Shirley MacLaine Jack Lemmon, wow And I and I had, I had really had No idea what it was about, and by the end of it I was like, what just happened? Yes. I did not understand how real it was going to get yeah. And I was like, this is doing something new. I thought this was going to be like some fun movie And it was excellent, yeah. but I didn't See that coming Isn't it amazing how
1: that movie is like 60 or 50 years old? I mean, the the things that they're talking about are just like I was having this conversation with somebody the other day where it was I, you the the only thing in that movie that is like oh this is dated is um. Uh, he Jack Lemmon's character says how much he pays in his rent for like this beautiful one bedroom <laughs> apartment in Manhattan, and it's like two hundred dollars a month or right. something like that, and you're like, that's insane. But aside from that, it's so modern, it's so contemporary, and that's what I love so much about Billy Wilder is just that like Billy Wilder is not here for your for and for he's not here to pull punches, and yet it is such a hopeful heartfelt, real movie. It's one of my, it was on a lot on on pay cable at Christmas time and I was house sitting and so I was like, oh, this is fun. And mm-hmm. it, so I watched it on Christmas Day or the day oh, after Christmas and fun. it is such a good, dark Christmas movie. Um, but uh, I love Billy Wilder. I think I love him because he is a very like, it's funny and it's hopeful but it's also got a very dark shape. Yeah. and I think that that's
0: like life. I, I think there are so many gems like that. Whenever I encounter a horror fan who like, that's, they live it, they breathe it. That's all they. And I, I'm constantly reading something, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, something crazy dark. Watching a lot of dark stuff, but I find uh, I, I like a little balance, if only to get a reset brain-wise. Yeah. So I like to watch. I'm, I'm totally into This Is Us, and I love, yeah. um, you know, all those old, you know, all the stuff growing up, the Southern movie, the Steel Magnolias, oh, yeah. the Fried Green Tomatoes, the, you know, movies like that. Um, and I mean, I there's not, there's not really any genre of movie I don't, I don't. Pick. Have my favorites in, and you know, and these are movies about life. And I think the thing that horror fans,
1: you know, whether people believe it or not, they have a real appreciation for life because you know that's the whole point of a horror movie is you're scared about your life ending essentially and what can happen, you know, to to you. And um and so I think you know yeah it makes sense. Steel Magnolias is about (laughs) life and death and all that stuff and and family and that's and same with This Is Us and all of it.
0: so. so bending a little bit away from my my little questionnaire which um always takes more time than i think it will Uh because it gets it's really fun and i but i feel like it helps people get to know you and um so you brought up how much you love the hills have eyes remake yeah and i know that you um you're as am i you're you're really passionate about finding what horror does for society Mm -hmm. and what it's saying about our culture right now And i feel like a lot of horror fans are just like They're probably intuiting some of that. Otherwise, Mm. it wouldn't resonate with them. But they don't, like... It's not really exciting for them to, like, talk that out. I love nothing more. I love a good... um, It's why I love uh, The Faculty of Horror. Mm. It's one of my favorite podcasts because they're... the, The two hosts are... Uh, college professors and oh, they nice. they they give you required readings so you go read a paper about this. You know this f- feminism, I've never whatever. Heard of this. You should th- give it a listen. It. A cup. Co- they both write for Rue Morgue, and okay. um, they're, they're 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 very Canadian. Okay. Um, so you deal with that accent. Okay. It's really funny. But I love that because they will break down. They'll like mm-hmm. do hype. They'll hyper analyze and they can get really academic, and it's they they're speaking your language. But um, and not to. I don't want to. I don't want to use that for that five-letter word, um, that, I don't want to say it out loud, but the human that no one can stop talking about right now. Yeah, yeah, 45. What do you think, um, yeah, what do you think, um, the face of horror is gonna look like right now, and do you, I mean, I've heard a lot of people go, well, there's gonna be a lot of great art, and I'm like, yeah, that's probably true, and you can find some, some silver lining to whatever's going on, but, I mean, are you looking, do you think it's really gonna inspire a whole lot I wonder what five years from now what the movies are gonna look like Like, what do you speak on that I do too actually
1: I wonder what's gonna happen I mean it's interesting because like you you know traditionally when you think about the masters of horror especially the ones that came up in the 60s and the 70s your Cravens your Carpenters your um, Romero uh, Toby Hooper like you know arguably you look at their films and you go oh yeah these were people who were raging against the machine essentially and then you know um a couple of years back after you know when when um, big worldwide terrorism was a huge thing that just kind of burst onto everybody's radar you know I'm not obviously I'm not saying it didn't exist before I'm just saying on a scale that maybe we hadn't uh, encountered before um, I thought Similarly, that there would be um, something coming out of that, and and I think that you know the torture porn subgenre. That I don't like using the term torture porn, but that yeah, is what people that's what say. what people understand what you mean. Exactly, when you say it. Yeah. Um, I do think that you can't look at that and go oh, there's no direct correlation between um, the torture and beheadings that were being put up on YouTube and Abu Ghraib and all of these, you know, is torture legal, waterboarding, like these conversations that we were having. That's a huge conversation. And um, so, but I was surprised that there there wasn't like a distinct voice that Mm -hmm. came out of it because... I mean, I would love to ask James Wan about this, but for my money, James Wan is not, like, an angry filmmaker. Yeah. You know, like, he definitely has a style, he has themes, he has things he wants to talk about, and he has brutality. But he's not, I don't pick up anger in his films. And, um, but, you know, I look at something like um, um, The Hills Have Eyes, for instance, or, you know, even Hostel, I think, had something to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, the there were, there wasn't a whole lot. So, what I would say about now is um you know it's interesting because like I just saw Jordan Peele's movie Get Out um I'm dying yeah. to see it and um it's really good. Great. It's really good and it's very Jordan and um <laughs> and I love that. And but I just can't believe that uh, Movies like that that are either independent and break into mainstream or mainstream upfront didn't weren't being made more. I mean, I asked I asked them about that when I went to the junket like the cast and and I even think I asked Jordan and and none of them really had a direct answer about like, yeah, why isn't this happening? And granted, I mean, I know like Spike Lee made a vampire movie um recently. I was like loosely based on um Gang, Gang Hess, and Hess um, and and all that, but but yeah, I'm surprised that we're not seeing more from African American horror filmmakers and by the way I'm I'm not saying that they're not trying to get right. these these movies made because I I know that they are there's some amazing um Twitter accounts and websites you know um that graveyard shift sister and horror yeah. honey's and and um black girl nerd and and so many on Twitter and I read a lot of their articles but um but yeah I don't I would say that even before 45 um there's plenty to yeah, talk about there's a lot there and and uh, and it wasn't it wasn't really getting put out there i think we're seeing more like with the Babadook you know that I think was a very women's you know one type of woman's perspective on mental health and on and on a psychotic break and single motherhood but that's a white woman's perspective in Australia you know <laughs> and Jennifer Kent has been very outspoken about saying she's not a mother and she made this movie about mothers but she's not a mom and so you know her perspective is obviously different than an African-American woman or a Latino woman or right. you know a, Hisp- a Hispanic woman. So um or an asian woman and the list goes on and on and on so i do think i think you know with the rise in popularity of like the walking dead i think zombies but uh, you know we can look we can already look back and and see but i think going forward i mean go (laughs) i don't know i think we're gonna see like a combination of um uh,
0: invasion of the body snatchers <laughs> and uh get out and because we all kind of i think i mean I, I know i did i feel like we all oh my god your dog is so sweet he's such hi, a ham hi you're your little creature you're a little jim henson <laughs> muppet he, he is um uh, i feel like a lot of us woke up you know um to a new world that we that always existed but we just didn't understand we didn't realize Mm -hmm. who was around us all the time (laughs) like some of of course we live in LA so we're slight I mean I kind of resent the whole bubble thing because I'm like really I'm in a bubble I'm I live live in a world of like that's so more much more diverse than anything close to where where I grew up like really I'm I'm in a bubble yeah but whatever um so I, I don't even know how to frame this question a couple of years ago mm-hmm. you went through something really scary. Uh-huh. Um, last year. Last year. A couple of months. Mu- was it last year yeah. already? Yeah. Not that not that long ago. No, last so okay. Um, and, and if you don't want to talk about it, i do not but um so you you got some death some like really violent like mm-hmm. rape and death threats mm-hmm. online. Yeah. Has that changed your relationship? First of all, do you feel like you were taken, that it was all taken very seriously by the police? Um, I mean, obviously there's only so much they can do to try Mm -hmm. to hunt that down. And has it changed your relationship to, or did it for any length of time? Um... Were you like Were you afraid of the internet Were you afraid of like d- More of that happening And have you gotten more of it
1: Um I think You know It was an unpleasant experience Sure
0: I don't think that I guess we should say If we're If people are listening And they don't know You expressed an opinion about
1: Yeah so Well apparently The um Prompt for me Being a, t- a target of harassment Online Was uh I didn't enjoy The movie Man of Steel <laughs>
0: It sounds so ridiculous Yeah cause it
1: is ridiculous You know I mean it it's, It truly is is ridiculous and also I'm sure a lot of you are sitting at home going well a lot of people didn't like that movie because they didn't and you're right but I happen to be I suppose um, it's funny I just didn't know what I was getting into when I did that review I had no idea that being sort of a a woman in that space and and talking about this thing was going to be a big deal but you know with her with harassment and stalking and threats and all of that I think it's something that needs to be taken a lot more seriously because I think the the um temptation is to say oh well it's not "Quote unquote real life." They don't really life. mean it. Yeah, and in the the idea that your real life and your digital life are very different. I mean, I don't buy into that at all. No. Actually, I think if you're if you're enduring violence and harassment on a on a regular basis, um, then whether it's digitally or in real life, like if somebody was walking up to my house six times a day every day knocking on my door and saying these things they would take it seriously so what I don't understand what the difference is to be completely honest Mm -hmm. and I think we've learned well anyway so I think that going forward as the digital world and the quote-unquote real world become more and more become one and less inseparable I think people do need to start taking it more seriously and um and, you know, I think it's just, it was less about fear, and it was more about awareness. Um, and, um, and also, you know, I think that it's, um, I think these big companies, like social media companies, uh, like to put this responsibility off of, like, oh, not our fault. Mm. Um, I, I have no problem saying that Instagram was not helpful to me, period they did not there is no way for me to get in touch with them they there's it's essentially like a bot that just pops up if you if you flag something or report harassment and you would think that if one account was reporting harassment from an, the same ip address like, multiple times a day, every day, that maybe one or both of these accounts would get flagged and someone would be there to review and go, oh, yeah, this one of these people is clearly in violation of our community guidelines. Or, on the flip side, if I had been a crazy person who was, like, you know, flagging not inappropriate comments, then I am in violation of the community guidelines. You know what I mean? So, like, I think that in the future these companies they're gonna. We're seeing it with Twitter. We're seeing, oh, you know, a lot of a lot of talk with Twitter. Haven't
0: hasn't Mark Zuckerberg talked about the, how Facebook is gonna be making taking much more? I mean, who knows if it'll pan out? But effort toward. Filtering and getting rid of the fake, the actual fake mm. news and the, the stuff that like kind yeah. of fucked us all over, yeah, in a big way. Um, he you has know. said that, yeah, he uh, said it. I mean, he said it. We'll see what happens. You know,
1: I just think that across the board, major corporations, um, law enforcement, uh, you know, the fact that there's not like a digital crime you know i mean how is that not at this point like there there needs to be um it's not a new discovery that the internet has a lot of important power whether it's stealing your identity whether it's publishing your information online whether it's direct threats whether it's you know whatever so so yeah i mean that's an experience that i did not enjoy certainly um and uh i hope that in the future people with that power like social media companies and law enforcement start to take that more seriously.
0: Are you feeling I mean all of that is also like I feel I I'm sure I don't I don't want to blanket all men but I kind of feel like it's you you're ha- we are having this conversation because you're a woman. Yeah. Not, I mean that's no. just the way it is. Yeah. Um, and how do you? Uh, what What has your experience been like in the time you've been in L. A. for a while uh-huh. now? Uh-huh. I mean, as a as a woman trying to crack a really like a boys' club. Yeah. What do you? What are your? What, I mean, do you feel like you've you've reached a place where you're you've now sort of earned some respect I mean do you hit still hit a lot of walls yeah I think I think the thing that's mostly
1: changed is um my uh confidence so I think that's the biggest thing is is you know before if I got called you know um a fake nerd or like you know whatever which is just such a dumb (laughs) like the fact that the fact that somebody would call somebody a fake nerd is hilarious because it's like really that I mean so dumb yeah but um but yeah, I I my confidence has really increased. The experience speaks for itself. My I think I've got a mostly good reputation, um, and not perfect, obviously. But yeah, I think I think my my body of work and who I am and how I am speaks for itself. And that's the thing that's really – I've seen the change. Um, you know, but but that has taken years to cultivate and to practice and to – you know, it's, it's just one little building block on top of another. And it really is time-consuming. I mean, it takes a lot of time. Um, and, uh, you know, with my show Nightmares now, like, people – you know, they they wanna uh, they wanna say what they wanna say. Uh. You know, but for the most part, I think that the people who love our show love our show, and and I think the people who are supportive are supportive. And then, you know, nine times out of ten, people who are knuckleheads who say whatever knuckleheads say, it's like
0: mm, they just know. want a knucklehead. Yeah, uh, and I feel I feel like what you're speaking to it, at least from my perspective, a lot of that comes with age sure. and just experience and uh, the willingness to go. Okay, well, I've been through. All this stuff, yep. and I ain't dead yet. Mm-hmm. And it, actually, to to the knuckleheads, um, they they have, have uh, they have no investment in, nor do they experience my actual life. So I might as well do whatever it is that I'm about, and whatever it yeah. is, I might as well just put out what. Uh, What is important to me and speak my truth for lack of a you know less weird sounding Uh, because at the end of the day like you're the one who has to be proud of what you're doing and and it's one thing to take you know constructive criticism from people who are like I wish you guys would talk about this more or I you know I don't like her voice and it's like whoa all right what does that have to do with anything yeah um but uh, it's one thing to actually take the take the real the careful criticism and listen to what people are saying and go oh, interesting. I'm going to take that in and think about it. But that other stuff just has to become noise. And it's unfortunately on such a huge scale these days with social media versus just like, you know, 30 years ago, I'd be like, you know, my mom and all three of my aunts just aren't happy with what I'm doing with my life. And I just have to tell them, mom, I'm going my own way. I'm not going to get married until I'm 24, okay? Uh But now you've got like tens of thousands of strangers weighing in on what you know what you're doing it's annoying I mean sometimes (laughs) it really is annoying like you
1: know uh, I I mentioned this to on another show recently but I think it bears repeating like the idea that I work and, and so I show run and host nightmares every week and I spend the week trying to book exciting guests and do the research and come up with interesting topics and read through Twitter and like really pull interesting questions. And I spend the whole week putting the show together and then we do the show and then it goes up and the only thing that the comments want to talk about is if I wore my glasses that day, do I do I look better with glasses or without? And I'm like, that is so frustrating because it's, it's like –
0: it's it's I I mean I put I did all of this work you have to wonder if they and they probably don't understand actually how much work goes into something like that I don't think
1: they do because it's
0: an insane amount of just being just being prepared and making sure that you're showing up ready to you know maybe offer something interesting and pick up on something interesting someone else says like that's that is that is so much work and it's and it's good
1: I'm it's I'm fortunate to be the one who gets to do the work I'm proud of doing the work i want to do the work and and i'm proud of every show that we've put out of of nightmares but yeah i mean it's just such a slap in the face to to have the only discussion that is happening on the fucking show is does clark look better with or without glasses and it's just like god that's enough to make you go catatonic just like i mean and it's like on a, on a very basic level, I'm like, I have to wear glasses. I can't see. Like, I, it's not a choice. And sometimes I wear contacts. Okay. But I just... It's just like... It's so frustrating. Yes. You know? I mean, it's yes. so... It's just... And, and look, I don't think... I honestly... If I'm being truthful, I think most young men who write things on the internet, and they are mostly young men. I know that there are some older men who, who like to play this game as well. But I do think that for them, currency with a woman is how she looks, right? And I think that most of them... I've had this happen before where somebody made some very rude sexual comment to and about me, and I said why would i can't even begin to tell you how offensive or how inappropriate what you just said to me is and he had no idea like sincerely thought he was he was being flattering by talking about me in a sexual manner and i just was like this is so great like and and the thing is I, you know nine times out of ten when you see me I have long sleeves on I am covered I am like and and you know part of that is just me being comfortable but the other part of that is on purpose you know I there's part of me that in my public personality has chosen to remove a bit of the sexual equation out of it um and that's for a reason
0: I don't want that to be the thing you yeah. know um and they still find a way i saw yeah. i saw a comment on a picture you posted a uh like a headshot or something and you weren't wearing your glasses and someone commented i you look beautiful but i wish you i wish you'd po- post more pictures of yourself with glasses please i like those and i'm like yeah bitch yeah she doesn't fucking owe you anything Uh, what do you mean post more pictures with glasses is this clark's naughty (laughs) website you're not is this a webcam is is this her webcam show right i don't think so but you're right and that's what i think is more infuriating than anything some of the time is like you real when you realize that those people don't sometimes understand that what they're saying is like that makes you really uncomfortable, and it's right. a, just a strange thing to say. Yeah, it's like what chip is missing, and that people can be so woefully undereducated when it comes to. And and I think part of it is the removal of the internet, where they don't think they don't realize you're a human being, right? Um, uh, maybe I don't know. Yeah, and some of it is like, well, oh well, there. This person's a celebrity, uh, so they're fair game or something. Hey. Like they, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I, well. Can't, I'm a
1: very big celebrity, so just, I just let's get that out of the I'm way. I'm glad
0: we could address this let's, important topic let's re- about your glasses. Uh, yeah, let's so, really talk about that. At the end uh, how of the day, I really I am I really, on the internet. I like your glasses and I don't care about what you've written. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And and basically I have not been recording this whole thing. I just wanted to tell you I like your glasses. Yeah, yeah. It was all a ruse. <laughs> no, I you know, it is it is what it is. and and for the most part, people are not terrible. Um, but uh but it it's you know, look, it's a... Uh, it's an occupational hazard and um, and it shouldn't be, you know, like sometimes when you see these comments of people being like, this person, you know, do what I say or I'll dox you <laughs> and it's like you're threatening to steal my social security number, my address, my phone number and and put me in physical danger if I don't do X. Um, that did not happen to me, but I have seen that on on the internet, and uh, and it's just like the power that these mystery people are given
0: by the big social media companies mm-hmm. um, is really sick. Yeah, it's really sick. There's a there's a great horror movie in there somewhere. There that's is. the stuff that's truly horrifying. It is. It um, is. Did you see The Den, yes, by the way? I did. I was, just speaking of, like, tech horror, yeah. I couldn't believe how good that movie actually mm-hmm. was. Like, it it really had me, and I would never have watched it because I think the poster is terrible. Yeah, yeah. But we, Daniel, uh-huh. he keeps coming up. He and I were sitting around one night, and we were like, okay, we're going to watch, we're going to look up, like, you know, on instant watchers, see what, what's, yeah. what's good. Um, and like we decided to watch the first like 60 seconds of five different movies that we wouldn't have otherwise taken a look at and decide from that which one we we're going to continue watching. And that one we were like, let's watch this. And we couldn't believe how anyway, yeah. um, slightly off topic, but well, thank you so much for talking to me. Thanks for having like me on your show. I like your brain. Um, you again um, if you're not if you haven't watched Collider Nightmares you should go check it out it's fun it's a good way to like just watch it while you're getting ready in the morning with your yeah. coffee get, get up on the news do your laundry <clears throat> give us yeah. a watch slash listen but
1: listen on YouTube that's the thing so if I may um, please watch us on YouTube I know sometimes you can download it you know as a podcast but because we are a YouTube show um, they are really looking at our YouTube views uh, in order to keep us around And so even if it's just like putting the app, actually I do that sometimes with YouTube shows that I like. I put the app on my phone and, um, I just play the video and I put it in my pocket yeah. and then I just walk around and it's, it's like streaming live except, totally. you know, um, or whatever. So yeah. But thank you for, for mentioning that. Of
0: course. Uh, it's, it's just fun. It's, it's nice. I've always enjoyed the stuff that you put out into the world because I find, and it's all personal preference, but I, I, you know, I like hearing people talk about, um, um, you know talk about horror as though it were like sports and stats and stuff that stuff's fine and it has its place but I find I you're capable of doing all kinds of stuff but I really enjoy hearing you talk about um you did you dig a little deeper than some of the okay. other people that I and I, I like your writing you also you did a um really sweet piece um w- uh, when um William Friedkin passed away Oh, William Peter
1: Blatty William Peter Blatty yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. um the writer of the Correct. book and the screenplay and the screenplay. Of the, and the screenplay. Uh-huh. I Exorcist, uh-huh. look, you learn something new every day. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was so heartfelt, but, like, informative, and I just, I like what you do, so I wanted mm-hmm. you to be here, and I wanted people to, I'm sure all the people listening already know who you are. No. But to have a little bit more time. Well, I, I appreciate that, and I love everything that you do, and oh, you're well. a
1: your lovely hubby uh, as well. He's
0: pretty cute. He's pretty your, great. you side note, um... You'll have to I can cut this out the You should come back on Carry On because we're entering um season four. Oh. Which I don't know how we feel but it's it's like Eric, Carrie and Aiden are getting back together. You should come back on that I show. would love you to really, anytime. Yeah. That's
1: a thing. It's like we love scary things, we we'll love sex of the city. Of course. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I really appreciate, you know, you being so kind and inviting me to do this. It's so sweet and I what a fun conversation.
0: That's I what I want. It. I want. I want. You know. I want to hear more people's voices and kind of talk about the um posi- just positivity. I feel the need for that in my life, yeah. and I think uh, it's good to kind of just talk about why we love what we love and yes. what's great about it and what we could use more of and all of them. I stuff.
1: I love it. Well, it's been a
0: treat. Bye. Um, bye. Thanks so much for listening to our sixth episode of Behind the Screens. Go watch Collider Nightmares. We'll see you soon for the next installment in our Behind the Screen series. Until then, and as always, beware the moon.